Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. CBS News confirms the Democratic Party and Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign helped pay for controversial research into President Trump's ties to Russia. The Washington Post first revealed the Democrats' connection to the research dossier that leaked back in January. It contained unsubstantiated claims connecting the president to Russian interest. President Trump questioned the origin of what he calls the fake dossier last week. He tweeted, who paid for it? Russia, the FBI, or the Dems, or all? Jeff Pegues is in Washington with these new revelations. Jeff, good morning. Good morning. Since January, the allegations in the dossier have gained credibility in the eyes of FBI agents working the Russia investigation. CBS News confirmed earlier this year that parts of it were being used as a roadmap as agents unraveled alleged Trump connections to Russia. But with new ties to the Clinton campaign coming to light, the president's supporters are once again calling the Russia investigation partisan. Two new congressional investigations involving former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Republican leaders in the House launching an inquiry into why the Obama administration allowed a Russian company to acquire U.S. uranium mines and whether Russian donations to the Clinton Foundation played any role in the decision. Former Secretary Clinton calling this, quote, baloney. And tonight, nearly a year after the election, Republicans with a separate inquiry as well into why the FBI decided not to charge Clinton for her use of a personal email server. In a separate development, uh, are, the House Intelligence uh, yeah, Committee's yeah. Republican chairman announced a joint investigation with the Oversight Committee into the 2010 Uranium One deal that gave a Russian company control of a large share of the U.S. uranium supply. Congressman Nunez questions what the Obama administration knew. Was there a DOJ investigation? And if so... Uh, why was Congress not informed of this matter? The 2010 deal is under new scrutiny after an FBI confidential informant came forward, claiming there is evidence Russia sought to curry favor with then-Secretary of State Clinton and her husband through the Clinton Foundation. A gag order may soon be lifted. We're in contact with the Justice Department to release him from a non-disclosure agreement. Um, if that doesn't work out in, in timely fashion, then we obviously would be able to subpoena him. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. For months, you could hear the word echoing from congressional offices and television studios all over Washington. Russia, Russia, Russia. The very people who spent 70 years making excuses for the Soviet Union were suddenly convinced that Russian agents had visited our shores in the dead of night to murder American democracy and install their puppet in our White House. Trump won because of Vladimir Putin. That was their claim. It seemed confusing to most people, but to our decadent and deeply unimpressive ruling class, the explanation made perfect sense. How else could their candidate, the candidate of both Nancy Pelosi and the Bush family, have lost last November's election? Well, the media assured them that would never happen. In fact, a year ago today, 
The New York Times ran this prediction, quote, Hillary Clinton has a 93% chance to win, and they believed it. When she didn't win, our elites assumed a foreign power must have intervened. No other explanation made sense to them. The only thing they lacked was evidence that it had happened. And so to find that, they told us we needed an immediate all-hands-on-deck investigation of Russian interference. So we got one. Boy, did we. It turned out to be one of the most comprehensive investigations of anything in the history of this country. The FBI kicked it off and was soon joined by a fully staffed Office of Independent Counsel, as well as both houses of Congress. Almost every media outlet in America jumped obediently on board, pouring massive resources into a news story that started to look a lot like a conspiracy theory. But ahead they went. An entire generation of non-Russian-speaking cable news hosts remade themselves into amateur criminologists. Remember that? The frenzy spun out of control. And soon, liberals weren't simply talking about a stolen election, but about war, actual war. If Russia is going to keep attacking America, then America really should fight back. There is an entire building in St. Petersburg filled with a Russian troll army, creating thousands of tweets, memes, news site comments, and flat-out fake stories designed not to take sides on any issue, but just to get us fighting about it. Hillary Clinton spent over a billion dollars on the campaign and the Russians beat her with a hundred and fifty grand because they were able to turn Facebook into fake book. So you're accusing a nuclear armed adversary of committing an act of war and you're doing it purely in order to gain an advantage in a domestic political dispute? No normal person would do that. It's too reckless and crazy. Yet that's exactly what many of our leaders did, including, by the way, sitting members of Congress. They called it war, too. Mass hysteria does not even begin to capture this. We are living in a moment that makes the McCarthy era look reasoned and considered. At least Joe McCarthy was onto something real. There really were Soviet spies. There was no Russian collusion in last year's election. So how are all those investigations going? Well, the New York Times, to its credit, took a look at that this weekend. And it turns out that if the Russians got Trump elected, they left no trace of it. Even Senator Dianne Feinstein of California had to admit that after wasting untold time and money, her committee has not found evidence of collusion between Putin and the Trump campaign. The whole thing is a dry well, a crock, a fraud, a scam, a politically induced hallucination. It's totally nuts. A lot of people should be deeply ashamed of this. Not that they are, of course. But that doesn't mean we haven't learned anything. Robert Mueller's team of, of investigators apparently has found evidence of suspected wrongdoing by the Podesta Group, which you'll remember is a lobbying firm founded by Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta, and his brother, Tony. According to news accounts, the Podestas may have violated criminal law by failing to register as lobbyists for foreign powers. Not exactly the development Democrats were hoping for when they cheered Mueller's appointment as independent counsel. And then there's the ongoing Uranium One scandal, which has been explained in a series of devastating pieces by the Hill newspaper. Back in 2010, in a move that virtually nobody will now defend, the Obama administration allowed a Russian firm to gain control over about 20% of our uranium reserves here in the United States. Before the deal was approved, Obama's Department of Justice uncovered a massive Russian racketeering and bribery ring working to get control of that uranium. The Obama administration kept that information secret, even from Congress, and let that deal go through. Now, why would they do that? 
Did it have anything to do with the more than $100 million Hillary Clinton's family foundation took from Uranium One board members? She was the Secretary of State at the time. Maybe, just a guess. At some point, we'll find out for sure. And that's the upside of the hysteria over Russian collusion. Its unintended consequences will be fun to watch. Because when you make up a fake scandal, you never really know where it's going to go. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 26th of October, year of our Lord, 2017. And yeah, I, I ain't waiting to Monday on this shit. Wow. Wowzy, wow, wow. So you heard CBS talk a little bit and we got Uranium One, but we mixed it in with big news. FEC complaint accuses Clinton campaign, DNC, of violating campaign finance law with dossier payments. Yes. Hillary Clinton and the DNC, they paid for the dossier. They colluded with Russia, not Trump. Wow. Democratic National Committee violated campaign finance law by failing to disclose payments for the dossier on Donald Trump. According to a complaint filed Wednesday with the FEC, the complaint from the nonprofit campaign legal centers to the Democrats effectively hid the payment from the public scrutiny, contrary to requirements under federal law. They have to release that. <clears throat> now, being that the media was playing down, I'm thinking, okay, this is just like judicial watch. It's a conservative gruce. Oh, no, resistance. I'm so sorry. The campaign legal center took in 1.8 million in contributions and ended with 2.2 million in net assets. Their executive director earned 214,000. He was the one they pulled out on TV talking about legalities. A lot of his money come from George Soros. Open society. It's a lefty group. Sweet. Sassy mofrassy. That ruins the uh, whole concept. So, yeah, Maggie Haberman <clears throat> was the first Politico to tweet it. Folks involved in funding this lied about it with sanctimony for a year. Washington Post, the Hillary Clinton campaign, the Democratic National Committee helped fund research that resulted in a now-famous dossier containing allegations about Donald Trump's connection to Russia and possible coordination between the campaign and the Kremlin. People familiar with the matter said, Mark E. Elias, a lawyer, a lawyer representing the Clinton campaign, the DNC retained Fusion GPS, a Washington firm, to conduct the research. After that, Fusion GPS hired dossier author Christopher Steele, a former British intelligence officer with ties to the FBI and the U.S. intelligence community. Blah, 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 blah. Marada Mahata, the sound you hear, is a so-called Russian dossier crashing and bursting into flames. There is zero chance it will ever be used against Trump now. Laura Ingram, collusion. Dossier in Russian generated dirt on real Donald Trump was paid by Hillary Clinton and funneled through Comey. McCain has his hands on this also. So he's going to get pulled into the net. Ben McDonald, there was more, there's more evidence of Hillary colluding with Russia than there is Trump. True statement, folks. Joe P. Pollock, so the whole Russian conspiracy theory was paid for by Hillary Clinton and the Democrats, plus a Republican and amplified by the liberal media. Hillary slash DNC fake dossier was amplified by complicit media. They knew it was DNC lies, used by Comey and Obama to wiretap Trump associates. 
Somebody did a funny one. You're in trouble now, since there's allegations in there that he liked prostitutes pissing on him or something. Stephen Miller, the good news for the whoever inside the Clinton campaign paid for the PP dossier is that she lost, and they won't be this fostered over it. <laughs> but the problem is Molly Hager- Haberman, or Maggie Haberman, excuse me, oh, mercilessly, here's just a few. I got hundreds. M. Davis, I hate Trump bigly. All we need is Saliza, CNN, and Mitchell reports. The Hillary hate starts all over again. This idiot thinks Saliza and Mitchell hate her. Wow. What reports were you listening to? Sentinel Mustache. Only we knew some of the other sanctimonious liars who lie to us daily from the White House. Like, seriously, M. Miss Haberman, I'm a big fan of you usually and often think you get piled on for no reason. But it is jarring to hear you call this lawyer sanctimonious while Sanders is spewing sanctimonious lies daily to cover for the nude emperor. Redwood resistance. She waffles and pulls punches far more than I'm personally willing to overlook. One wonders how she will be judged herself in the future. Ooh, that's threatening, isn't it? Of course, this weekend is the one-year anniversary of the New York Times orgasming over the Comey letter, so I'd create a distraction too, I guess. Hillary warned us, told us. And he goes on. She was vilified for days. For days. But Brian Fallon, oh, Brian Fallon, don't know what Elias may have said, but if he was coy, which is a new word for lie, I'm guessing, on the left. Because remember, it's okay to collude with Russia if you're trying to beat Trump. At least that's how the the media is covering it that way. But it's not okay if Trump was doing it. His second tweet was, Keep in mind, Steele was ex-spy who basically took life in his hands to mine Russian sources. I'm not insulted. It was considered need to know. Alex Griswold. We didn't lie. Okay, maybe he lied, but that's a good thing. The right wing. So we're now going with the lying to protect Hillary and DNC for colluding with Russia back fusion provazon Steele Coy. Alex Griswold again. Coy is a new one, though. I'll have to save that one later. Trump didn't lie. He's just being coy. And of course, Brian Fallon was brought on, and this is what he had to say. The beginning of this research, dossier, what have you, in the primary. The Washington Post reports that Fusion GPS did not hire the dossier author, Christopher Mm -hmm. Steele, until after Democrats started paying the bill. Uh, When the news broke, uh, this is how Brian Fallon, the Clinton campaign's national press secretary, responded. He says, I regret I didn't know about Christopher Steele's hiring pre-election. If I had, I would have volunteered to go to Europe to try to help him. That man, Brian Fallon, joins us right now. Brian, a cheeky tweet to say the least. But look, let me ask you a serious question here. You say you just learned that the Clinton campaign and DNC funded this dossier. Mm -hmm. This has been out there for a long time now. This has been in the news a lot since January. It was floated around privately before that. How could you not know that the Clinton team was paying for it? And didn't someone in the Clinton campaign know this? Mark Elias certainly did. Right. Uh, I'm sure that there was a small group of folks that were aware of the nature of uh, the decision to hire Fusion back in the spring of 2016. 
but it was kept for reasons that I can understand to a very select group, given the sensitive nature of who they hired, uh, a former MI6 agent, Christopher Steele, that was taking these discreet covert meetings in Europe, trying to track down this information about business dealings that Trump had with Russian oligarchs. Uh, so the, the details of it, the fact that Fusion was hired and that they in turn subcontracted with Christopher Steele, and that's how the dossier came about, I just mm -hmm. learned over the past weekend in anticipation of this story coming out. Um, what would happen during the campaign would be uh, that in the month of October especially, we'd be getting a lot of incoming calls from reporters, tracking down various tips, a lot of which ended up showing up in that dossier. What I and I think a lot of my colleagues assumed was that this was research that had been dug up during the Republican primary but had gone dormant. And then on October 7th, remember, John, that's when you had the U.S. government come out and say that it was their conclusion that the Russians were trying to intervene in the election. They were behind the DNC hack. And then all of a sudden, it resurrected a lot of interest in B Trump's business dealings with Russia. Mm -hmm. And when those calls would come in, we would find it very interesting. We'd internally convene. We'd trade uh, information about what other uh, things we were hearing from different sources. But we were uh, powerless to help those reporters get over the hump and get over the finish line of reporting because we didn't have any of the research. At least I didn't have it directly. Just to be clear, Brian, uh, you have said previously in the last 24 hours you don't believe Hillary Clinton knew about this either. Is that right? Oh, I don't know. I, I haven't don't know. asked. I okay. haven't spoken if, to her. No. Okay. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Um, shouldn't shouldn't she know? Shouldn't you, someone so high up in the campaign, be informed of this? Well, I mean, she may have known, but uh, the degree of exactly what she knew is is, is beyond my knowledge. For instance, like, it could have been that uh, a decision was made to authorize Perkins Coie to do some kind of commission, some kind of research, but then decisions about, uh, you know, going out and finding Fusion GPS, finding Christopher Steele. I mean, she may or may not have been aware of that level of detail. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I think it's important to remember that, A, opposition research happens all the time in campaigns. B, uh, before the reason the Fusion GPS had a head start on this and basically came to the campaign uh, and pitched us was because they already uh, had been commissioned and hired during the Republican primary. Now, mm -hmm. I suspect we're going to learn in the next day or so, two who the funder of it was during the Republican primary because there is a subpoena here for Fusion GPS's okay. bank records in order right. to obtain not just the identity Steel. of the funder during the general election, but also during the primary. So we'll probably learn the Republican funder, too, we and might. there won't be any shame about whoever funded it during the GOP primary. We, we may find out Christopher Steele wasn't brought on until after Democrats and Hillary Clinton started funding it. But again, Fusion was involved there. You say this is all in the name of opposition research. That's what Donald Trump Jr. and President Trump said when they were being criticized for Donald Jr.'s meeting with these Russians when he was promised dirt on Hillary Clinton. Are they analogous? Uh, no, for a very simple reason. Uh, the Russians and Vladimir Putin were only trying to help one side in this election. And you don't have to take my word for it on that. That is the conclusion of U.S. intelligence, that it was the position of Vladimir Putin and the Russian government that they wanted to help Donald Trump. And we know for a fact that Russian agents committed crimes in service of that goal. They hacked into the DNC. They hacked John Podesta's emails. They tried to hack into voter rolls in different states. And so the fact of Don Jr.'s meeting in June, the reason why that's so interesting and potentially problematic is because it suggests that perhaps the Trump campaign had foreknowledge or give, gave guidance to the Russians about some of those criminal acts. Nothing here that took place with respect to the hiring of Fusion GPS, which is an independent private research firm that campaigns contract with all the time. Nothing rises to the level of Donald Trump taking a meeting with an authorized representative of the Russian government for the purposes of trying to help Donald Trump's campaign by way of illegal uh, acts.
But Brian Fallon, in July, to our colleague Anderson Cooper, you said, quote, there's a difference between going out and hiring opposition firms that work in the United States of America and going on and soliciting information from a foreign national. Christopher Steele, who compiled this dossier, was a foreign national. Right. So Christopher Steele's actions here, these, this is the, akin to counterintelligence work. And in fact, after the campaign, long after the campaign ended, long after the Clinton campaign was paying Fusion GPS any longer, apparently, uh, the FBI itself reached out to Christopher Steele and said, hey, we consider you so trustworthy and we consider your methods so honest, we want to actually contract with you now to keep doing this research. And, and then once Christopher Steele's cover was blown and his identity became public, I guess that went south and they mm. no longer uh, went forward with co uh, contracting him. But he was very well known to U.S. intelligence. Uh, he was not being handed things by the Russians. Otherwise, we probably know the details of these right. supposed videotapes and the, and the business connections that Donald Trump has with Russia. None of that stuff was out there well, prior to the election. In fact, if you remember, John and Poppy, the New York Times in late October wrote a whole story basically acquitting Donald Trump on all of this, suggesting that there was no nothing to any of these allegations about connections with the Russians. I tend to think right. if the Russians were actually trying to help Christopher Steele and collude with the Clinton campaign, more of that stuff would have surfaced prior to November 8th. Instead, uh, we're still digging and Bob Mueller's still trying to find it. The Mueller investigation goes on, and, and Brian, we should... That guy is such a fucking twat. Just a fucking twat. It's all over the place. New York Times covered it. Complaint claims Clinton DNC broke law by hiding dossier payments. Simultaneously it broke. FBI kept Russian bribery plot under wraps before Obama. Administration approved nuclear deal with Moscow. This is the new media line in regards to Uranium One. It's actually not that Obama lied or Obama covered anything up. The FBI is bad again. The FBI wasn't bad a week ago, but now the FBI is bad again. That was Newsweek. Then Katie Pavlich put out, Gowdy Goodlett, open investigation of DOJ exoneration of Hillary Clinton. Because now if the FBI knew she was doing this, how could they do it? How? How? Wrapped inside this is numerous articles. Mueller's the wrong sleuth when his ex-agency is so tangled up with Russia. And of course, people are pulling out the perfect things. This is Hillary Clinton last year at this time. With just eight days left, this can't wait. Retweet if you agree Trump should immediately disclose all his ties and connection to Russia. It, it, it's like they made it up to cover what they did now. That's what it looks like. She also tweeted, happy birthday to this future president. And it was her own birthday because today is her birthday. It's Hillary's birthday. Very interesting concept. But I want us to flash back how the media went hysterical over Don Jr. meeting with a Russian agent. We, we were talking impeachment Treason, the whole nine yards. The Washington Post blockbuster report that Hillary Clinton campaign is a partnership with the DNC, hired the firm that utilized gossip from various unnamed Russian government officials to create the so-called Trump dossier, marks a key turning point in the investigation into Russia's attempt to influence the American politics. The DNC not only accepted this secondhand uncorroborated information, but actually sought it out, financed it, and disseminated it through Washington. 
Now, rewind the clock to July after the New York Times reported that Donald Trump Jr. had been approached by a mysterious Russian lawyer with an offer of dirt on Hillary Clinton. He accepted the meeting, but by all accounts, the lawyer had misrepresented her intent and no anti-Hillary intel was exchanged. Nonetheless, the media had made prominent Democrats fell fit into a fit of hysteria. Trump Jr. was quickly accused of treason, colluding with a hostile actor. Some said he would certainly be going to jail. Jake Tapper said, it's rather momentous. This can't be, this can't be dismissed as people have to get Donald J. Trump Jr. or fake news. This is evidence of willingness to commit collusion. The former chairwoman of the DNC, Schultz, clearly when we learned today is that the president's son is namesake, a senior advisor, and someone who was in the top tier of the Trump campaign colluded, which is the classic dictionary definition of what that means. There's no question that Donald Trump Jr. agreed to do with relish, I might add, is meet with a lawyer from Russia. Clinton former running mate Tim Kaine were now beyond obstruction of justice in terms of what's being investigated. This is moving into perjury, false statements, and even potential treason. Wow, Tim, if you knew about what the DNC was doing, which I'm sure you did, that's going to bite you a little bit. Richard Blumenthal was all over TV. My reaction was these emails are textbook examples of evidence of criminal intent. I can almost hear the closing arguments of a jury using, I love it, repeating again and again, I love it. These three words are going to haunt Donald Trump Jr. because they are a clear signal that he was looking for information dirt on Hillary Clinton. Bakari Sellers said Democrats ought to make a bigger deal over Trump Jr. What he did was threat to our democracy and borderline treason. Attorney and former White House ethics czar Richard Painter. The facts reported in New York Times article come very close, if not is, crossing the line with respect to treason. The former Watergate prosecutor Nick Ackerman was carted out. He said outright treason. Stephen Colbert summed up the hopes of many. Trump Jr.'s going to jail. Every one of those people are silent as shit. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. All of them. Simultaneously, thus the reason I had to podcast. Smoking gun email reveals Obama DOJ blocks conservative groups from settlement funds. The chairman of the House Judiciary Committee claims he obtained a smoking gun email that proves the Obama Justice Department prevented settlement payouts from going to conservative-leaning organizations, even as liberal groups were awarded money and DOJ officials denied picking and choosing receipts. It's not every day in congressional investigations that we find a smoking gun, Bob Goodlett from Virginia said. Here we have it. While Eric Holder was U.S. Attorney General, the Justice Department allowed prosecutors to strike agreements compelling big companies to give money to outside groups not connected to their cases to meet settlement burdens. Republican lawmakers long ago decried those payments were a slush fund that boosted liberal groups, and the Trump DOJ ended it. But internal Justice Department emails released Tuesday by Goodlett indicate that not only were officials involved in determining what organizations will get the money, but also Justice Department officials may intervene to make sure the settlements didn't go to conservative groups. How many times have we heard of the Obama administration punishing organizations, institutions, churches, 
because they're conservative. But he was scandal free because all this has to come out now because we didn't report in the end. For eight years, we didn't report anything. We chose not to report things. Hillary, of course, all she said is it's baloney. I'd pay player soundbite, but I'm not going to. She didn't know about it. She's arguing the word it. I mean, we're back into, you know, Bill Clinton mode. I know nothing, plausible deniability, blah, 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 blah. So, big changes. Thus the reason we've had this turnaround. Why all of a sudden you just don't hear Russia, Russia, Russia out of the media. They've known about this. You know they knew about this. With all the emails going back between the media and the DNC, there's no fucking way. And then the simple concept is they gave the dossier to the media. You know somebody asked where they got it. And they probably told them because they can do that. It's okay. Same team. Same team. So that's a great start to begin the show. But I got one more little gem. I had to do one more gem before we close the loop. So MSDNC decided to take... A camera down to the prototypes for the new Trump wall. And they're mocking the need that it's not needed. It's not important. This is ridiculous. He's a xenophobe. And while they were doing their little interview, this happened. Through it, can we scale over it? What happened? The people are crossing. Almost on cue, a group of asylum seekers, migrants not from Mexico, jumped over the existing fence to turn themselves into border agents on horseback. It's like a small group of three people just jumped over in the middle of the day. Girl there with a pink backpack. Can you explain to me what's going on? This is a reality of, of everyday border enforcement. Well, the United States is still the draw, the ultimate draw for people that have uh, dire situations where they're at. We're going to continue to wit- witness this. It plays out on a regular basis for us. And it did just here, just now. Just now, yeah. Secretary Clinton, did you lie to them? You know, look, I feel a great deal of sympathy for the families of the four brave Americans that we lost at Benghazi. And I certainly can't even imagine the grief that she has for losing her son. But she's wrong. She's absolutely wrong. Yeah, that's Hillary. I just want to make sure, you know, you can talk about Gold Star families and you can card them out and use them as props if you're the DNC. You can call them liars like she did for all the contractors who I still consider gold star they're they're doing a lot of good work for America but as we talked about in the last podcast all the media carded con back out we got to have con so he can disparage everybody including Trump but they stooped so low 
They are using Kazir Carl and Fallen son to ask for money. At the same time that they have accused President Trump of not honoring the sacrifice of gold star families, congressional Democrats are using the death of American soldiers to solicit campaign donations. The DCCC has been sending out fundraising emails under the name of Kazir Khan, the father who spoke at the DNC convention. Those emails repeatedly invoke the death of Khan's son, Army Captain Hymian Khan, as a reason to give money to the DCCC. I could play a cutesy, cutesy, you're a motherfucker, you're an asshole, but that is just low. That is just low. I, I mean, that's just low. Even for Democrats and progressives that hate soldiers, that's low. So we're supposed to honor it. And here's the thing. Do you think of the Republicans used dead soldiers? Well, I can answer that question. Under Bush, when they invoked 9-11, the mainstream media called that horrible. It was deplorable. Horrible conduct. But you don't even know this. You'll never know it. They're not going to broadcast it. In regards to Niger, John Harwood's peddling that this is wrong. Trump was did not authorize the mission Niger that resulted in a loss of four dead. All these people say he's horrible. For doing that, all the media was tweeting it over and over because he let the generals run the war. Unlike Obama, as we know, who knew where Birdell was and just needed to win, so that's when he rescued him. WAPO is still going after Kelly. No, John Kelly. Women should not be seen as sacred. They have a whole op-ed that that's, that's is horrible. They shouldn't be sacred. They should be equal. Then they ran. John Kelly said women were sacred. That attitude perpetuates the military's culture of misogyny. Yeah. Noah Rothman. About a hundred liberal colonists feign indignation when I guess Kelly's support for old school chivalry would be repulsing coastal elites. Selective outrage is unbecoming, says she, and she displays selective outrage. A female said that. Okay, women aren't sacred. Why do you hate women? Sadly, I also must report, and next podcast will be a large segment on abortion, because we got more released videos from inside Stem Cell Research Express, the research place that does the body part harvesting. And we also have a video of a, do- a doctor talking about a second trimester abortion. It'll be not safe for worse. It's fucking horrible, but I'm going to play it. Just to make you understand, abortion should be legal, but the love and zeal that the left has for abortion, it is outright fucking scary. You get off on killing babies that much. But Alyssa Milano says, preventing an immigrant woman from getting an abortion is a war on women, immigrant, and children. And today, Planned Parenthood, NARAL, Lauren Duca, the world rejoiced that the immigrant woman with no rights to citizenship, no green card, no nothing. She's illegal. She came here to get an abortion. Got her abortion. They're relishing in it. They're so happy. But more on that next podcast. This is a real thing. November 8th, coming up. This is from NBC Boston. Still frustrated about results of 2016 election? Thousands plan to have a scream in 
and scream helplessly at the sky in Boston on November 8th. They are grabbing, they're grabbing and embracing Screaming Boy. I'm not going to read the whole article because I don't, I just can't believe people are that butthurt still, still over this election. And while I'm at the NBC Boston news station, a little video pop-up comes up how Trump can be impeached. A whole video. It's not for the news agency, but they're running it for progressives, because I guess Boston is so progressive. And I thought, wow, holy shit, a a, a news station broadcasting what he can be impeached for, even though he's broken no law. Twitter tweets of the day, Ian Michael Chong, apparently women were nothing before Hillary Clinton came along. Sorry, ladies, you're nothing without her. This is actually some artwork, and it says, along came Hillary. And they look at all these 1900s and old stuff, and they're stereotyping how men are so fucking horrible. But with Hillary, everything got good. Swamp commie, a woman. Apparently, women contributed nothing to science, art, or society before Hillary Clinton. That's their art. Another one is Hillary Rodden Clinton. Some girls are born to lead. An actual book that's been sprouted. The English gent. This image is, is Christ. There are no words for how wrong this image is. Because he tweeted both of them at the same time. This is the cringiest shit I've ever seen. The woman has accomplished nothing in her life except ride coattails and take the credit. Yeah. Hmm. First Amendment. A Twitter handle said, I now understand how religions get started. And I thought that was pretty funny. Allah Pundit tweeted another funny one. He's got all the media logos in the back. And on Twitter, alt media, he's, uh, this is Trump behind a 50 cal <laughs> blowing it up. The president is up. So he's simultaneously mocking the president, but at the same time jabbing the media. Somebody else upped him with a gif of Rambo 2, the scene where Rambo goes in the control room with the M60 and destroys the room. And I thought that was fucking fantastic. Just fucking fantastic. But our tweet of the day comes from Ben Shapiro. This is a really good one. You'll never know what it's like to be a black person. This man says he feels like a woman, and I believe him. Same people. What a summation of the cult of progressivism. And that's our tweet of the day. Hey, tweet of the day! Never met him, and with this kind of inspiration, I will go and take Trump out tonight. 
Those words have been interpreted as an attempt on the president's life. How did you intend them? (laughs) That's absolutely ridiculous. Nobody believes that uh, a 79-year-old grandmother uh, who is a congresswoman and who has been in Congress and in uh, politics for all of these years talking about doing any harm. The only harm that I may be doing to the president is I want him impeached. And those people who are so opposed uh, to my leadership on impeachment are organizing the right wing, uh, the white nationalists, the KKK. They've organized an effort to try and, of course, defeat me in my election coming up and to discredit me every yeah, that happened this week. That's like the third time this woman has threatened the president. Been brought on TV and say, well, can you see why people would think that's a threat? It's not a threat. I'm a grandma. I did nothing wrong. Okay, let's go back to what Trump's a piece of shit. Because that's the rest of that soundbite was, you know, never really chastised her or anything. But remember, under Obama, if you criticized Obama, that was a threat. If you said anything about Obama, you were a fucking racist. And for eight years, any concept that could be anti-Obama agenda, anti-Obama's city he lived in, you were a fucking piece of shit. Another one is Professor Jose Angel Gutierrez, La Raza founder. We have an aging white America. They are not making babies. They are dying. The explosion is in our population. I love it. They are shitting their pants with fear. I love it. We've got to eliminate the gringo. And what I mean by that is the worst comes to the worst. We have got to kill him. Yeah, he teaches at the University of Texas. Mm. Can you say that about any ethnicity? No, I don't think so. I know I can't. I'm white. I can't say anything like that. Large article is what's wrong with Boy Scouts, and it goes deeper. It's the social issues and cowardice, and it pretty much sums up the problem with our modern culture. People get shamed to death. So you now have been shamed into having the Girl Scouts be obsolete because now we're going to be co-ed scouts. You have to change the name and everything. But it was just a matter of time. Once they got the gay scout leaders and gay kids and gayness, well, that's not enough. We want to kill that institution because to brainwash kids, we got to get everything that has to do with kids. It's not by happen chance. Remember, it's a religion. It's just like how Christians go out and try to get into everything. You hate that on the left, but you're no different. Every institution must be populated with stupid shit. So next thing it'll be transgender scout leaders and fucking everything. Just everything. Scout leaders will make their kids wear dresses. Because you need to know what it feels like to be a woman. Because sexism and intersectionality. Matt Dowd, why are folks focused on Hillary who holds no office but not on Trump who is president who 12 women accused of sexual assault? Stephen Miller, doesn't matter what Weinstein or Hillary does because Trump is president, Mr. Accountability Guy. That's actually what Matt Dowd's turned into. He's blocked the world. Yeah. He said in another tweet, Lordy, focus on who hold power. This is just an excuse to be partisan. Josh Jordan, that's absurd. I've been against Trump as much as anyone, but that doesn't mean everyone else is off the hook. Accountability for all. Praheed Shakar. The press, on the other hand, could not walk and chew bubblegum at the same time last year. Exactly why it took so long to find this out. It's because they didn't want to report it. That's easy. Ellen Degenerate. 
tweeted today, happy birthday, Katy Perry. It's time to bring out the big balloons. A picture of her staring at her tits. The left attacked her. The left. It was sexist. They are hyper, hyper focused now, folks. They're going to attack an icon of the left, Ellen DeGeneres, the first actor to kiss a woman on screen, and yada, yada, yada. But even she breaks one of the freaking eye bars. Hypocrisy of the day. Vanity Fair notices that Democrats are collapsing. I'm not going to break down the article. They're facing, well, I'll just say they're facing heavy fundraising shortfalls. They break everything down, including Uranium One and Hillary. Finding out that she paid for the dossier. Everywhere else, Republicans are imploding because of Flake and Corker coming out. And I don't mean coming out like they're gay, coming out that they're liberals. Understand, I'm not covering that. There's nothing to cover, boys and girls. They're down 20 points to the conservative and 10 points to the Democrat. They're not going to win their primary, thus they're not running. And they're pissed because Trump has got people that are what his constituents want in their areas, and they're primarying them. They did nothing but help the Democrats and the media. Both those guys gave speeches. It was likened to McCarthyism yesterday and how that one senator, do you have no honor, sir? And that was how they were doing the flake speech. But flake's been a flake. He doesn't like Trump. He went against his constituents. He was getting run out on a rail. And all of a sudden now, I'm not going to run because I don't believe the GOP is the party I used to be. And Trump sucks. That was his whole speech. Jesus fucking Christ. Ex-NPR CEO spends time with red state bitter clingers, discovers cartoonish media bias. Gotta read this one. Kenneth Stern, a former CEO of National Public Radio, has shocking new book out called Republican Like Me, How I Left the Liberal Bubble and Learned to Love the Right. After spending extensive time with conservatives, Stern realized the national media reporting from inside a liberal-dominated culture. He surmised his discovery in the New York Post. Most reporters and editors are liberal. A now-dated Pew Research poll found that liberals outnumber conservatives 5-1 to one in the media, and that comport with my own anecdotal experience in national public radio. When you are a liberal and everyone else ground around you as well, it's easy to fall into the groupthink on what stories are important and what sources are legitimate and what the narrative of the day will be. It seems only former executives admit national newsrooms anecdotally are liberal bubbles, where most journalists don't tend to trip over conservative viewpoint inside their supposedly objective environment. Stern worked from 1999 to 2007 for NPR. Then he worked as deputy counsel for the Clinton-Gore re-election campaign and as chief counsel to the Clinton Inauguration Committee. Here's how Stern came to realize he hadn't learned enough about conservatives. Spurred by fear that red and blue America were drifting irrevocably apart, I decided to venture out from an overwhelmingly Democrat neighborhood and engage Republicans where they live. 
work, and pray. For an entire year, I embedded myself at the other side, standing in pit row at NASCAR, hanging out at Tea Party Meeting, and sitting in the Steve Bannon radio show. I found an America far different from the one depicted in the press and imagined by presidents clinging to guns and religion, and presidential candidates, basketballs of deplorable alike. Stern spent time with evangelicals and went to Urbana Conference sponsored by the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship with thousands of college-age Christians. He discovered they weren't characters or bitter, selfish racists. I certainly did expect the intense discussion of racial equality and refugee issues, how to help them, not how to keep them out, but that is what I got. It felt left me with a very different impression of a community that was previously known to me only through Jerry Falwell and Footloose. He even talked to hunters and changed his view on guns. And I think that's just a perfect, perfect synopsis of what's wrong with our country. The media will still never leave Washington, New York, and Los Angeles. That's it. It's where they live. Everybody there thinks alike. And they're part of that religion, so they believe if you don't think like them, you're evil. This one pretty much sums up the Obama administration. And MSDNC and the rest of the media. Pennsylvania election officials say non-citizen immigrants illegally voted hundreds of times since 2000. This is just self-reporting. Self-reporting. This is not reported as they found them. These people came forward and said, we accidentally registered and voted. Non-citizen immigrants may have cast 544 ballots illegally out of more than 93 million ballots in elections. They've been doing it since the 2000s. A Department of State official, Jonathan Marks, told the House State Government Committee that the agency's analysis covers 35 primaries and general elections from 2017. The number of possible illegal ballots comes to one in every 172,000. And that's just those who voted. Understand Trump only won that state by 44,000 votes. But he probably would have won them with more because they were throwing everything at him a lot of people are saying hey hey over here eric holder over here in mainstream media and pushing voter id laws while this is being reported in just one state we still haven't tackled california where they give them driver's licenses And it probably sums up why Hillary won by 4 million votes out there. This is what MSDNC reported. But I think that the only way we're able to reap the rewards is if we stay focused on uh, building our own base. I think we have to ignore what the Republicans are doing and essentially the civil war that's going on over there and focus on turning out our own voters and making sure that the voter suppression and voter ID laws that were um, so successful in keeping so many African-American voters home in Wisconsin or, you know, basically making it impossible for them to vote in states like Wisconsin and Michigan. To a story that broke overnight involving someone you see around this table 
table every day. CNN is reporting allegations regarding our friend Mark Halperin during his time at ABC News over a decade ago. Unnamed sources detailing unwanted advances and inappropriate behavior. Halperin apologized for the pain his actions caused and said, quote, I will take a step back from my day-to-day -day work while I properly address this situation. We're going to be following this story as it develops. I'm sure we'll be talking about it again when we know more about it. Yeah, it's the regular thing. It's the regular thing. If you make them get an ID, you're racist. It, does, it makes them not be able to vote. Man, I don't even want to go into my rant, but you can't get anything in America without an ID card. And that just means the DNC will have to card around to get ID cards. That's all you have to do. Most states offer free ones for impoverished people. It's a crock of shit. The second soundbite you heard is Mark Halperin has now been accused of sexual harassment. Maybe that's why he wouldn't talk to me at the airport because I didn't have tits. Makes sense now. It all just makes so much sense. He's been pulled out. They're treating him like he did nothing wrong. ABC's saying nobody ever said anything to us. There's a girl online that's saying, oh yeah, he did stuff. And our last hypocrisy as we go into our stats of the day. We had PSA for guns. Well, now we have a PSA for sexual assault and sexual harassment. The problem we have with this is Joe Biden and Lady Gaga. And if anybody's kept up with politics, you know that Joe Biden is an outright fucking groper. He gropes women. All right. He doesn't just touch them. He fucking gropes them. It's inappropriate. It's embarrassing at times. There's memes all over the internet attached to this video showing him group groping everybody from Hillary to military wives. But it's the left. And they're all a bunch of fucking hypocrites. So we pick a guy who gropes women and we cry about fucking Donald Trump saying he grabbed a crutch. You fucking people. I've heard not only a great friend, but a fierce advocate. Lady Gaga has been the voice for people who have been forgotten and people who have been abused. Until it happens to you, well, it happened to her. And she's shown enormous courage. And we want to make it real clear. It's on us. It's on everyone to intervene, to stop abuse when they see it and when they hear about it, to intervene. It's no man has a right to raise a hand to woman for any reason other than self-defense, ever, period. And that's not to leave out the men as well. That's true. I am a sexual assault survivor, and I know the effects, the aftermath, the trauma, psychological, physical, mental. It can be terrifying, waking up every day feeling unsafe in your own body. But we're here to remind you that it's important to reach out to someone in your life that you can trust and to know that they will be there to help you. There will be someone to listen. Because you know what? It's on us. In our stats of the day, this one pretty much sums up California. Southern California woman obtains U.S. citizenship despite no ability to read or write 
or speak English. NBC actually, uh, it's a Southern California station, actually interview her. And she was exclaiming, it's so amazing, I've become American citizen in Spanish to a reporter. And I can't read, write, or do anything. I, I can't speak it. I know nothing. And the whole test is supposed to be in English. Which means she took the test with somebody else reading it to her in Spanish and giving her the answers. Why do they even go through the process? You're in a sanctuary state. Just make them all citizens. Just do your own thing. That's what you're doing, California. Just do your own fucking thing. Who gives a shit? Fuck it. Fuck laws. Black man arrested in KKK graffiti case in eastern Michigan. This one we covered a couple uh, last, I think it was in the spring. And literally, it was the talk of the town. It's Trump's fault. All these fucking races coming out of the woodwork. And it was faux, like 90% of what the media was talking about post-election. It was all fake. It was liberals acting like it. 1.5 million fewer Americans on food stamps under Trump. Yeah. 1.5 million Americans less. We're starting to tick them off. That's probably good. Wall Street's befuddled over plunging NFL ratings. J.P. Morgan has lowered their outcomes This article is pretty good. You can get it on Wall Street Journal. It just breaks it down. Break it down. And before we go into our first segment, which is a jab station, or jab segment, against a CNN commercial that is just the utter, just the, it's like a beacon in the dark for hypocrisy. There are 15 fallen under Trump. I misspoke and said there were five, but there's been 15. So since I'm not a hypocrite, like the media, who says Trump didn't know his name, we're going to read their names. Chief Petty Officer William Ryan Owens killed in action. Navy SEAL raid against ISIS leader. Sergeant First Class Mark D. Allen Carr, who was killed in April. Green Beret. First Lieutenant Weston Lee in April in Iraq, killed by an IED. Sergeant Cameron Thomas, April 26th. He had 11 siblings. He was also killed by an IED. Sergeant Joshua Rogers, 3rd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment, killed in same IED. Sergeant Eric Hoke, 61017. Corporal Dilling, Dylan Baldridge, killed in Afghanistan, 61017. Sergeant Jonathan Hunter, August 2nd, 2017. He was only in Afghanistan for a month. First hitch. Staff Sergeant Aaron Butler, 
August 16th, 2017th, a Green Beret. Specialist Alexander Misildeen, Misildeen, excuse me, October 1st, 2017. Staff Sergeant Dustin Wright, October 4th, 2017, in Niger. Staff Sergeant Brian Black, October 4th, 2017, Niger. Staff Sergeant Jeremiah Johnson, October 4th, 2017, and Sergeant LaDavid Johnson. October 4th, 2017. That's his name. The media doesn't say it much either. To all their families, their friends, and their loved ones, God watch over you. To them, see you on the LZ. Okay, we're going to go into a music break now. New music by Greta Van Fleet. It's called Highway Tune. And we'll come in on the other side with a version of the CNN new ad. Because everybody want to up the fat concept. Simultaneously a conservative version of that. And the responses therein and proof thereof that CNN is full of shit. Just stepping at the 
Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. This is an apple. Some people might try to tell you that it's a banana. They might scream banana, banana, banana over and over and over again. They might put banana in all caps. You might even start to believe that this is a banana. But it's not. This is an apple. This is CNN. Some people might try to tell you that it's news. They might scream news, news, news over and over and over again. They might put news in all caps. You might even start to believe that this is news, but it's not. This is CNN. Yeah, that's a bunch of sod, just a bunch of sawed-off bullshit. There's a lot of different angles on this. Uh, Representative Trent Franks showed a baby in the womb after he responded to their tweet. Some people might try to tell you that it's a banana. Dana Loesch says, but what if it's a bana- apple that identifies as a banana? Which kind of goes against what they talk about, right? Lots of laughter ensued. Fight the cisnormative binary fruit patriarchy. <laughs> Did you just assume that an apple can't identify as a banana? Who are you to decide what is right for every fruit? And somebody else. Maybe this is CNN's way to say there are only two gen- genders. BuzzFeed did a skit with a banana and an orange, and, well, CNN was just fucking pissed off. Dylan Byers, I guess a joke like these that got BuzzFeed, zero traffic growth. So he went into a penis inspection on who has more traffic or something, and I just thought that was just the dumbest shit I've heard. Somebody tweeted, BuzzFeed's the good-looking girl, CNN's looking at BuzzFeed's ass, and Trump's staring at... CNN, like, why are you looking at her ass? We've talked about that skit. It's everywhere. They then had Brian Seltzer card out. Facts are facts. They aren't colored by emotion or bias. They are indisputable. There's no alternative to a fact. Facts explain things, what they are, how they happen. Facts are not interpretations. Once facts are established, opinions can be formed. And while opinions matter, they don't change the facts. That's why at CNN, we start with the facts first. That's their new slogan. Facts first. He quoted that once facts are established, opinions can be formed. Blah, 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 blah. I tweeted back to him, go back to your dorm room when you dogged conservatives. That's your show now. He used to podcast, just like me, in his dorm, attacking John Gibson and other conservatives. James Hassan, after an eight-year hiatus, facts are backs, baby. <laughs> Somebody else, can't wait for your next report on how leftist violence doesn't exist. Zach tweeted, facts aren't colored by emotion or bias. Entire staff cried funeral tears and said, not my president after the election. 
Chet Gannon, there should be a new game. Who tweeted this? At Saliza CNN or a 13-year-old girl? And there's a picture of all these women, including Sal and Cohn, hand up, don't shoot. That wasn't a fact. Somebody else tweeted the same thing. Irreparable, irreparable damage CNN is pushing out this PR camp campaign to try to rebuild and rebuild trust. But it hasn't changed, and it never will. And it's true. Not going to change anything. Yeah. Sean Davis. CNN would like to talk to you about apples, bananas, and fake news. But first, this message from Dan Rather. And that's right. They literally show... Pictures, a lot of conservatives and liberals of Dan Rather. You had Dan Rather on reliable sources. Your show, Brian Seltzer. He was fired for fucking bullshit. But needless to say, there's a number of ways to mock this ad campaign, but from a serious standpoint, my colleague Jeffrey Dickens documented in June a handful of fake news peddled by CNN. Donald Trump repeated the branding of fake news may have been born as in its biased 2016 campaign coverage. But the truth is, CNN has peddled inaccuracies for decades. From a former CNN correspondent, Peter Arnett, 91, passing along Iraqi war propaganda of Allied forces bombing a baby milk plant, to CNN executive Eason Jordan in 2005 accusing U.S. soldiers of targeting journalists to CNN contributor Donna Brazil feeding town hall questions to Hillary. There's a long history of news fakery at the oldest 24-hour news channel. One example. June 1998 claim about U.S. troops during the Vietnam War by then-CNN correspondent Peter Arnett. In a story so rife with false reporting, CNN was forced to retract it. Arnett claimed U.S. forces had committed war crimes and used nerve gas in Laos. 98 premiere of newsstands, CNN and Time, were so atrocious, CNN's own military affairs consultant, Perry Smith, resigned in protest. If CNN is interested in hashtag facts first, maybe they should look at themselves before calling Kettle Black. Or at least fire Fareed Zakaria, who's repeatedly been caught engaging in plagiarism. Or at least ensure Jim Acosta takes a chill pill before White House press briefings. Here's another example. Look at how CNN hosts like Seltzer and Don Lemon adore Dan Rather. By hanging on their show, they're saying, fuck facts. In fact, some come first, if facts come first for CNN, one should look at August 22nd and the 23 meltdowns experience, uh, 22nd and 23rd, 23 meltdowns, sorry, they have, a, they at least have 23 meltdowns a day. August 22nd and 23rd meltdown experienced by Seltzer, Beinert, and Lemon on CNN Tonight following the President's August 22nd Arizona rally, along with pushing the dubious claim that Ronald Reagan suffered from Alzheimer while President Lemon and his ilk repeatedly argued that Trump has mental problems. Many of them argued that they're simply stated what people are saying. The same could be said about birtherism, but we all know that's false. Critics and newsbusters might argue that we want to destroy the liberal media and thus the freedom of the press. In reality, what stories like this want to accomplish is simply inform viewers of the getting when they turn on CNN and the New York Times. Other ones that we have. For one thing, there will always be people ready to believe fake news and conspiracy theories that buttress their worldview. This is not unique to any outlook or era. In the 2006, 51% of Democrats believe George W. Bush knew or abetted the 9-11 attacks. 
Think about that. Barack Hussein Obama had one on his staff. It finally blew up in his face and he had to get rid of him. He then went and worked, because remember, there was a letter signed by Democrats. The letter was asking the congressional committees to look into the implication that Cheney and Bush rigged it. They were called truthers. Once he got fired from Obama's staff, he went to CNN. His name is Van Jones. He's on almost every night. He gets specials. He's the equivalent of a birther. Would a birther get on TV, boys and girls? I highly doubt it. In 2010, 41% of Republicans, including Donald Trump, believe Barack Obama wasn't born in the United States. There you go. These days, 52% of Democrats believe Russia tampered with the vote totals and made Trump president. I guess CNN has something to do with that latter, considering that on more than an occasion it made the misleading sensationalist claim that Russia hacked the election. But you know what can be just as dangerous as fake news? Bad stories perpetuated by big institutional news organizations that have become too biased to notice. We're not talking about Candy Crowley and Mitt Romney. That was just fucking horrible. Do you think about that? We're not even talking about transparency partisan reporters like Jim Scudo and Jim Acosta. We're talking about CNN political analysts like Julie Zeliner, who claims this summer that President Trump never made an Article 5 commitment to our NATO allies, allies months after Trump did. Rather than correcting what may have been an oversight, if we give him the benefit of the doubt, Zylzer rationalized definitive assertion by alleging POTUS has sent mixed message and there's reason to question his commitment. Trump said, I'm committing the United States to Article 5. If you don't trust the president, a banana's not an apple. We're talking about CNN host Chris Cuomo, who in addition to his hopeless bias, regularly offers factually impaired assertions on every media platform available to him. During the presidential race, Cuomo, Cuomo argued that while it was illegal for citizens to look at WikiLeaks emails, the media was afforded special protections. It's different from the media, he explained. So everything you learn about this, you're learning from us. You also also remember that after anti-Islamist was shot in Texas a few years ago, Cuomo, who has a law degree, did a bit of victim blaming by arguing that hate speech is excluded from protection under the Fifth First Amendment. Instead of admitting that his aversion to speech critical of Islam had led him to say something untrue, Cuomo attempted to walk it back but offering examples that have absolutely nothing to do with his initial comment. We're talking about Sally Cohn and her co-host to raise their hands up in the air and nod to say, hands up, don't shoot slogan. Political commentators are free to engage in political theater, of course, but if we call out Sean Hannity or Rachel Maddow when they perpetuate political myths, why not CNN, which fashions itself somewhere in the middle of Fox and MSDNC? CNN didn't instruct its talent to stick to facts. It pushed the video out on social media channels. Yet nothing in the Michael Brown case ever proved it. Apples are not bananas, no matter how many times you scream it. We're talking about CNN contributors who are tagged as experts but don't understand even the rudimentary working of the topic. This is a semi-automatic gun. Some people might try to tell you it's a machine gun. Other people might tell you it's legal, it's legal, it's legal, over and over and over again. Might even say so in the Chiron. You might even start to believe that people are walking around with fully automatic guns. But they're not. 
No matter how many times CNN anchors or contributors or stories make claim, a banana is when CNN features a picture of an AR-15 with a suppressor, extraordinarily difficult to obtain since it's heavily regulated through the National Firearms Act. I haven't gone into this on the show, but since I used to run gun stores for our company, those are so controlled, they're checked regularly. It's really hard to get one of those. It's really even hard for a person to get one to sell. Suppressors are a big deal. A banana is when you run conspiracy monger pieces that serve Republicans want to make rape and domestic violence pre-existing conditions. Do we remember that? That was in the Obamacare repeal. CNN, CNN not only reported this, it went out and spoke to survivors of rape so they could react to the fabrication. The only difference between this story and some random fake news piece on social media is that CNN has the budget to run ads telling me to trust it. This kind of activist journalism corroded public trust. The same kind of corrosion occurs when stories are wholly based on anonymous sources, which is all the time, for a year now. Quite often, readers and listeners rightly assume that journalists are merely doing the bidding of their people. A raft of long-forgotten histronic post-election pieces that drove coverage on the network turned out to be false. Sometimes CNN gets caught. And sometimes they take responsibility and retact an entire story linking an ally of Trump to a Russian bank. Do you remember how many times that happened? People's lives were ruined by CNN just to find out they didn't do it. Other times they're caught and pretend to take responsibility. Before his, his dramatic congressional testimony, which made hope would feature a smoking gun or Russian collusion or presidential abuse of power, CNN spent hours pushing a four-byline story that alleged James Coley would publicly dispute the president's claim that the former FBI director told him on three occasions that he was not under investigation. Comey did the opposite. Instead of withdrawing or correcting the story, even though they claimed to have made a correction, CNN inserted a paragraph maintaining that Comey does not directly dispute that Trump was told multiple times he was under not, he was not under investigation. It is true that Comey did not directly dispute CNN by name. He just happened to unambiguously say the opposite of what CNN claimed. There's plenty of good work being done at CNN, but the network, like many others in the media, have conflated its opposition to Trump with a reverence for truth and facts. The president's lies don't excuse CNN's advocacy, which often leads them off for misleading stories. Yeah. Just, whatever. They just make it up. Sean Davis. Kind of weird this demonstratively false assertion is still up given CNN's chest-thumping about apples and bananas. And this was going back to the dossier. Of all people, Jake Tapper took the bait and started arguing this. My assertion was about the report in general, not steal, as I tweeted, David, but deleted. Sean Davis, the claim you affirmed literally said the steal dossier was funded by Republicans. Not true at all, but okay. Jake Tapper, and I fixed that. Thanks for bringing to my attention that you thought it was confusing. Now apply those standards to the Federalists. Stacy Washington, no conservative. You don't have room to judge, Jake. Keep policing yourself. She's not even a con. Federalist musket. The Federalist is an opinion journal. Are you admitting CNN is too? Another tweeter. I do like you, Jake, but your network was nonstop Trump-Russia for months, and the truth has been out there all along. All of it. And why is that? 
Great article by John David Davidson. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it patterns the the PBS guy. One year later, coastal elites still don't understand why voters turn to Trump. A year ago this week, I drove through Ohio and Pennsylvania talking to people about the election. It wasn't too hard to see why many of them wanted Trump. They haven't changed. They hate him so bad and they live in their bubble that they don't want anything else to be true. They can't believe Americans would vote for that man over Hillary Rodham Clinton. And they're covering this whole Russia thing like it's still just some conservative ploy. Remember, whenever somebody went after Obama, it was, well, the Republicans are pushing this, but there's not much truth to it. And it's a political moment trying to rally the base. That's what they say. Since last June, Brian Fallon and company, MSDNC, and a lot of people like Don Lemon, Anderson Cooper, I won't say Jake Tapper, were pushing Russia, Russia, Russia. There was absolutely no proof. I mean, CNN even had to do the 17. They put out New York Times, everybody, 17 intelligence agencies say that uh, there's there is a direct link between Russia and the Trump campaign. Six months later, there isn't even 17 intelligence agencies. They knew that, but they still went out with it because they're trying to prove the case to the American people, hoping somehow, some way, they can turn the tide and get Trump out of office. Think of all the Russian stories that WAPO, New York Times, CNN, MSDNC, NBC, CBS, ABC have ran with for damn near 18 months. There's no proof. But the Hill... New York Times, WAPO, all put out Uranium One. That implicates Obama. And now today, or last night late, they show that Hillary paid Russia. They colluded with Russia to get anything they can get to beat Trump because they knew in their heart of hearts that they weren't winning. The media was saying it, hoping that they put out 98% truth like New York Times. People go to the polls, vote in the herd mentality like sheeple they are. But it didn't work. Folks, the Democratic National Committee, after they were hacked, came up with talking points. Those talking points were disseminated to news agencies. The news agencies ran with them. And ever since then, all you've heard is Russia. You didn't hear what was in those emails. They might talk about it, but it was the sly way like Cuomo. It's illegal for you to look at these, but we are here to tell you what's in them. We can legally look at them. And the most damning Podesta ones. One day coverage dumped. There was even on CNN people stating 
It's got to be Russia because we don't have anything out of the GOP. Even though the security agency said they tried to get in the GOP and they couldn't get to their servers. They had put security there. And most importantly, they didn't have servers in their house next to the shitter. CNN even spinned that the whole server thing was just a ploy to discredit Hillary Clinton. I mean, the only thing I knew for the year of 2016, which isn't as stupid as 2017, is that Hillary Clinton wasn't going to go to jail for her server while soldiers could take pictures of submarines and get the fucking Big Rock, Little Rock treatment in Leavenworth. Nothing was going to happen about the Comey, or not the, uh, the Loretta Lynch meeting. Because the media buried it. And it took a local reporter broadcasting it in Phoenix to actually get the fucking shit out. And that Donald Trump wasn't going to win. Even I didn't believe it. My last podcast, I said I didn't think it was going to happen. They were so full court press for one candidate. It's all they did. And as I've said a million times on the show... If somebody got a hold of GOP emails or a candidate B that's running for president got caught breaking security protocols or a candidate for president's spouse met with the Department of Justice in a clandestine meeting on a tarmac, you never hear the end of it. You heard 47% for an entire fucking year. You heard, you heard Romney shouldn't have said anything about Benghazi and nothing about Benghazi. And then when the Benghazi hearings happened, you heard nothing about it. You didn't hear anything about the IRS, which has now been proven again to happen. Not only do they fucking do that with Lewis Lerner and company, who got to retire with a full pension and never went to jail because he just pled the fifth, but the Democrats were in charge, so nothing happened. Once again, you heard they did it all over again with funds. They took funds and didn't give it to conservatives. If any of that shit happens under Trump, you'll know about it. Oh, you will. Because all you know is fake news. Shit they make up. All these little freaking anonymous source shit that has all been true, proven not to be true. All of it. It's all fake. Because they just hate the guy. So that's why I covered the apple banana. I can rant for another hour. Democracy dies in the dark. Facts are important. All these little slogans. They're trying to repair it. But what they don't understand, in closing, it isn't Trump. Trump's mainlined people discrediting the mainstream media. But what they don't understand, my wife, no politico, knows the media is liberal. I'm an independent conservative. I'm not even a Republican. I vote for everyone. I vote against Marsha Blackburn. I hate her. I vote for any Democrat they put in there. I'll vote Democrat. I vote for the best candidate. I don't vote party. 
I knew this in 1990-something. When I became politically active or awake, and I realized my friends were getting blowjobs from privates at drill or at basic training because I was a drill sergeant, and they were losing their whole career, their families, everybody was notified. They even called the goddamn parents. The whole world knew it. But the President of the United States was jamming stogies up some intern's twat, and the media played it off like it wasn't important. That was when I woke up and said, what the fuck? And then I started seeing all these Clintonites end up on TV and be part of the big media goliaths and be freaking producers and fucking presidents of media companies. I saw it. I didn't need a conservative website to feed me that shit. I was paying attention when I could not be politically active, when I couldn't go on Facebook and say, I'm not right check for my AVA. I was an enlisted guy. I followed the fucking rules because I was a career soldier. I didn't get political. I didn't start talking about politics until 2004 at the end of my tour with a bunch of professionals. E7 and above around a campfire in the Mojave Desert. That's when I started talking politics. Up until then, I didn't talk to politics because I was a leader. It's illegal for me to push political views into my subordinates. So I wasn't like Rychek going to the DNC and saying how great Kerry was in fucking uniform. Illegal as fuck, but I guess the National Guard acts different. Yeah, that's a whole, he's a National Guard guy running a huge organization that's supposed to be for veterans, but it's really for Democratic veterans. Yeah, I'm, I'm just middle of the road dude, and I knew it. So, no. Trump didn't make CNN not be trusted, didn't make MSDNC be a laughingstock liberal worse than HuffPo. He didn't point that out. The American people know it. Every poll since Clinton shows it. We know you're liberal. We know you promote nothing but Democratic candidates. We know every election you're going to degradate and grab any tidbit to discredit the conservative candidate. And promote the Democratic one. In the case of Hillary, you started December 2012. Once Obama was reelected, Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. So once again, you can do all the stupid ads you want. You're not changing the facts. Because CNN, the fact is, you're neither an apple or a banana. You're a fucking blueberry. You're a Democrat mouthpiece. To another music break. A random song from freaking Greta Van Fleet. Because that's my new band. And news. Social Media Nuggets.
Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. game on campus these days and they call it pc pc politically correct and it's not just politics it's everything it's what you eat it's what you wear and it's what you say if you don't watch yourself you can get in a buttload of trouble for instance right see these girls yeah no you don't those are women you call them girls and they'll pop your figs save the whales gays in the military now all right, military corner without a bumper. Big thing with Dunford. I was going to play the soundbite, but I'm not going to waste your time. But it just it just goes in line with everything we've talked about to point that now he has to explain every mission, everything we do over and over and over. And I'm just staring at it like, what the fuck? You didn't even report boots on the ground. Obama coming, there's no boots on the ground, and just people come funneling into fucking Iraq. Video would be played on TV of SF guys fighting in Syria, but we didn't have anybody on the ground. The media wouldn't even point it out. Hey, that's a U.S. soldier. He's wearing boots. He's on the ground, but whatever. This is an article from Task and Purpose. I'm just going to read a little bit about it. It's called, How the Media is Making the Situation in Niger... Worse, and they're covering these briefs that these generals are going to have to do, and what they're and McCain and all this kind of stuff. But despite the mounting criticism about the White House, the Pentagon, and the political mudslinging surrounding Trump's treatment of Gold Star families, there's little Mattis can actually do until the investigation is completed. Based on recent reports and what the officials have told Task and Purpose, the DOD is more in the dark regarding the Niger incident than it's been in other past combat deaths. U.S. Africa Command has dispatched a team of investigators to conduct a review of the facts, according to NBC. But according to several defense sources, Mattis is becoming increasingly frustrated with AFRICOM leadership, particularly Marine General Thomas D. Waldhauser. The real outrage from both lawmakers and the media over the lack of details is really a misplaced political fury, a panic reaction to the sudden realization that, yes, some 8,000 U.S. Special Operation Forces conduct operations in 80 countries each day, and many of those forces are deployed across Africa. The United States has had a military personnel in Africa as part of those ever-expanding advise and assist missions and military exercises in the service of the global war on terrorism for years. Military operations in West Africa and Central Africa started under Bush, but were 
expounded upon by Obama. And this story goes on to relay, you're just making it worse. They, they in this article, say the Pentagon needs a narrative. No, they don't. The media needs to go back to the source. Your anti-war president got in office, looked at intel, and realized, sweet, sassy, mofrassy, and he started nuking the world. It's the only thing I say good about Obama. Some might think I criticize him for blasting Pakistani villages with the hellfire to take out targets. I don't. I don't care the whole family dies. I give no shits. I'm just saying, during Bush's tenure, oh, that was just fucking horrible. We had fucking whole code pink anti-war groups. They didn't follow the American deaths. They followed the Iraqi with false fucking reports of half a million people killed. They were happy when U.S. soldiers died. Cheered, even. So we spoke in the past about new jungle boots, saw an article on it. Not much change, more like a night, late 19 and late 90s, excuse me, um, jungle, but it's got a thinner side and it still has a desert appeal with more athletic support. So that's kind of cool. Um, but on top of it, they're coming out with a new ACU style OCP and it is going to be thinner than Ripstop, Hawaii is actually testing them right now. And within that article, holy sweet guacamole, I didn't know we have a jungle school again. Back in my day, there was a jungle school in Panama up until we passed it over. I never went, because Alaska troops did, but I, I came in the Army right after they got back in that unit. But they're running a jungle warfare center in Hawaii, training people for Africa. I thought that was kind of cool. Soldiers are already trying out the Army's planned six-event PRT replacement. And these are like, um, it looks like basic training. It's like Leonard Wood's doing it. I don't know about betting. But you'll do the T push-up. You do a push-up, but when you're down, you prop yourself on your gut and spread your arms out to the sides. Repeat for two minutes or until you're swimming. You know shit. 250 meter sprint drag carry. You're laying down prone. You pop up, sprint 25 meters out and back. You walk backwards while dragging a bunch of weights out and back. Then you pick up two 30 pound kettles and walk them out and back. Then you sprint another 25 meters and back. Then you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That and having a low and as low an elapsed time as possible is what it's all about. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cute. Leg tuck. Grab a pull up bar with both hands. Like it's the hilt of a broadsword and start from a dead hang. Bend your elbows, hips and weights till the knees touch those elbows. Then pop back to a dead hang. Do it as many times as you can while not looking like you're extending, ex- enduring torture. You don't get extra points for stoicism, but you don't get any points for grunting and grimacing either. Standing power throw. Grab a 10-pound medicine ball, lower it to the ground, then heave the sucker backwards. Don't worry, you get a practice throw. This mostly just sounds like a therapeutic three repetitions. Oh, sorry, I read in the next one. This sounds therapeutic. The next one's a three repetition deadlift. Exactly what it sounds like. Dropping the bar on the last rep and screaming primarily while your veins bulge. Then a two-mile run. They'll never get rid of the two-mile run. 
The Army says an estimated 2,000 soldiers, including at five bases, including Leonardwood, are expected to try out the test before any decisions are made in the future. No one's even sure how the events will be scored yet, except to say that there'll be tiered standards, no straight pass-fail events. I'm glad I'm out of the Army. This one's a sad one, but I wanted to cover it. Veteran killed in Vegas shooting left funeral instructions. Remember me for who I was. And it was pretty cool. It was like a party. I just wanted to hit it that that was kind of neat. The second ID has unveiled a statue of a soldier giving a President Donald Trump's signature thumb up at his headquarters in South Korea. The thumbs up was in honor of President Trump and how he always gives his thumbs up, said sculpture Bang Joke. It is a symbol of continuous deterrent and provocation from North Korea, and it will be vandalized before you listen to this podcast. To the crazy we go. Boiled alive. Lady, 36, killed when molten caramel gushed into sweet factory tank she was cleaning. Oh, my God. Natalie Nemitz, colleagues found her legs poking out of the confectionery after the accident in a Russian city of Staryoskol. It's believed to have boiled alive in an appalling accident. Somehow the valve opened up. That is, I'm, uh, no. I, no. No! That's just freaking horrible. Another gross one is gunpowder. Horrified gunpowder viewers left throwing up an extreme violence and horror torture scene on BBC One's new drama. I tried to find this, but I couldn't find even... They, they haven't got nothing on YouTube. Nobody even filmed it and put it up. Three-part series which starts Kit Harrington, the dude that's Jon Snow in Game of Thrones, as the master of the plot to blow up the House of Lords in 1605, features scenes including a priest being hung, drawn and quartered alive, before his hands and feet were chopped off. Hands and feet. I just said feet. That's fucking right. Viewers were left feeling queasy, with some even throwing up at the blood, guts, and gore feature of this scene. Another revolting scene features a man dropping from the gallows and sliced open before his insides were ripped out while one naked woman was crushed to death by a stone slab. I've seen pictures of that. It's pretty freaking horrible. Some viewers are even forced to reach the remote, switch the control off. A lot of tweets on this. It is, it's really bad. What's wrong with you people in Britain? Oh God, man, most of the Game of Thrones shit's British. They're fucking weird. Hackers steal photos from plastic surgeon to the stars, claim Trove includes the Royals. The Dark Overload, a hacking group known for mocking and extorting victims, has now stolen highly personal photos from a plastic surgeon in London and delete, released them on the dark web. We have terabytes of this shit. Databases, names, everything. A representative of the Dark Overload told the Daily Beast. There's some royal families in here, the group claimed. The clinic caters to less famous patients, too, with plenty of customers praising the company on social media. I wonder what those pictures are. Probably don't want to know about the ones that got their vagina tightened. I see that on the Real Housewives. My wife watches. They talk about getting their vagina tightened. I don't... Wow. What? Anyway. Is your kid a cowboy for Halloween? Social justice warriors already hate him. I had to do another Halloween one with the just around the corner. Consider staying home this Halloween or just show up in a manga hat. That will scare the little devils away. This is from Lisa de Bisquay. 
America celebrate a lot of holidays. Ever, ever the wet blanket, social justice warriors will take any opportunity to demonstrate their virtue and accuse others with tiresome, baseless epitaphs like racism, sexism, and cultural appropriation. As Halloween approaches, SJWs and professional nags will be on the attack. One school in Walpole, Massachusetts, has canceled its annual Halloween costume parade. The school principal said the costume parade is out of our ordinary routine. It can be difficult for many students. Also, the parade is not inclusive of all students. It is our goal each and every day to ensure all students' individual differences are respected. Oh, good God. The school will instead have an after-hours orange and black spirit day. Oh, really? What the principal isn't saying is that they don't want to deal with angry parents who complain about offensive costumes. Can you blame them? Unfortunately, the vague statement doesn't say what everyone is thinking. SJWs are stealing kids' fun, and most likely, they're candy. You people are why we can't have any fun. Of course, there have been instances of offensive cultures. There's also our costumes. There's almost always on a website, not actually worn by a child. A legitimate case can be made regarding the recent news of an Anne Frank costume for girls that was marketed out of European, Canadian, Australian, and British versions of the website HalloweenCostume.com. United States, the costume was marketed as WW2 Costume for Girls. After a link to the site circulated around Twitter, people registered in disbelief. The company put up the following statements. We sell this. We're sorry. We got rid of it. If you have additional questions, blah, 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 never mind. Keep in mind the costume is literally a shapeless garment with a brick wall pattern and the text, the wall printed on it. That was another one they took off, the wall. Forget your cowboy costume kids. Another frequent target are the sexy costumes. This new addition includes sexy model wife, a.k.a. Melania Trump, sexy border patrol agent, sexy nun, and my favorite, sexy fake news. In my new political humor book, The Social Justice Warrior Handbook, A Practical Survival Guide for Snowflakes, Millennials, and General Z, Generation Z, I write about the lengths SJWs will go to forage for outrage in the workplace, entertainment, and of course on Halloween. Along, among the costumes I deride in SJW speak are the following. Cowboy. Well, some might look at this costume as a classic Americana. It actually represents toxic masculinity, inhumane treatment of animals, and practical use of firearms. Wow. Construction worker. Everyday women are subjected to street harassment. Native American. I don't need to read that one. Police officer. Of course, that's horrible. Don't teach your kids police officer good. Biker. Like the construction worker and cowboy, this costume can trigger strong feelings about street harassment and toxic masculinity. Additionally, bikers for Trump provide security for right-wing speakers and compromise college campuses' safe spaces. Soldier. For social justice warriors, this is perhaps the worst of the bunch. The soldiers glorify American patriotism and militaristic gun culture. People like Che Guevara have literally died for social justice, so seeing the image of an American soldier in uniform is not okay. Bonus points if bonus points to you if you get the joke. I got the joke. I'm not going to go on the rest. They talk about Little Princes on uh, Refinery29 website. We've covered it. They don't like Little Princesses. We've already talked about Moana. It, there's another article on Moana. I won't read it. But now they're saying Moana is horrible. And I got in a Twitter war with a bunch of women. And then the tide turned. And a bunch of women of color supported me. Because all I said is, isn't this good? Wouldn't we want white kids to have idols that are 
people of color. If a little girl wants to dress up as a person from the Pacific region, that's a great thing. I then close my rant with, you put kids in a playground, they don't notice colors, then these stupid fucking parents get in, and they all of a sudden become racist. And a bunch of women got my back. I felt good. It's one of the rare Twitter victories I get. Rochester LGBTQ gun group launched We Have Each Other's Back. This is to piggyback off that nice little article I read last podcast with the young man that fantasizes about killing uh, other white males because we're bad. Some of them have never picked up a gun before. We have each other's back, said Laura McSpadden. We're acknowledging our fear of the world in which conservatives are the only ones who are, are armed. Until now! Queer and trans people are often depicted as weak and defenseless, said Jake Allen. Even fragile. Fragile. But Allen had a point to prove when he co-founded the Trigger Warning Queer and Trans Gun Club. The group of approximately 20 people meet to gun ra- at a gun range once a month in Victor to learn how to shoot and safely own firearms. The group was also founded just weeks after Donald Trump was elected. What did I say last podcast? I'm going to repeat it for those that didn't hear it. These people are the real threat now. Perceived thoughts have made them go buy a gun to defend themselves. And you watch. They're going to kill somebody who just argues with them. Won't, won't be somebody calling them a fag or anything like that. They'll just kill them. And the media will cover for them. Well, this hostile environment because of Trump and his anti-Semitic, homophobic, xenophobic, even though he's said none of that shit, yada, yada, yada. Professor Algebra Geometry Perpetuate White Privilege. Oh, yeah. Guterres is her name. Worries that algebra and geometry perpetuate privilege because emphasizing terms like Pythagorean theorem, I can't even say it again, and pi give the impression that math was largely developed by Greeks and Europeans. She also worries that evaluation of math skills can perpetuate discrimination against minorities, especially if they do not work, they do worse than white counterpoints, counterparts. It, further on, she says, if one is not viewed as mathematical, there will always be a sense of inferiority that can be summoned, she said, adding that there are so many minorities who have experienced microaggressions for participating in math classrooms, where people are judged by whether they can reason abstractly. I, 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 ah! Here's a fact, folks. You're the racist. Not me. I know plenty of freaking kids when I went to school that were way better at math than me. None of them were white kids. I actually freaking looked up to them because they were smart as shit. And, and this college thing now, it's basically whatever we don't like is now an ist, an obe something because we just don't want to do it and these professors are feeding it it's, it's actually surprising here's another professor these are some of his tweets federal reserve wall street internet spying Halloween tv all depiction of jewish people do not force me to love the so-called chosen and i will not tell you where you have to go his name is michael chikadas another one I'm sorry, son. Your father died bravely in the theater of war, fighting for the illegal expansion of the Rothschild Talmudic Zionist state of Israel. Yeah. John Paul Pagano. 
New campus anti-Semitism scandal. Rutgers University Department of Food Science professor Michael Chikadas is revealed as a hardcore anti-Semite. Other ones. I am God's chosen people, you filthy goyim. And it shows American soldiers killing him. Kill the Arabs. Social media and Zionists call for murder. I want to kill a Palestinian. Post 1,000 Israeli likes, 26 shares and replies. You're a hero. You're a real Jew. Rutgers University professor Chikadas is a prolific anti-Jewish crank, surpassing even Oberlin College, Joy Karinga, and the frequency and viciousness of his anti-Semitic social media. The key thing is, and I could go on, there's hundreds, all right, hundreds. He even disputes the numbers killed in the Holocaust. So he was doxxed. Nobody's covering it. We covered Rush Limbaugh saying Sandra Fluke's a slut, a radio host. We covered a conservative congressman saying the best birth form of birth control is put an aspirin between your knees. We covered that. David Duke, we covered. Richard Spencer, we covered. None of them influence as many people as this anti-Semite who voted for Hillary. Hmm. This one I was going to put in the humor section, but I'm just going to cover it now because it, it just sums up how stupid 2017 is. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to tell you where I found it. What is implicit bias and what can we do about it? Scoop shop sociology. Picture it. Rolling into your favorite local scoop shop, primed to experience some much-needed ice cream euphoria. There are tons of flavors to choose from, of course, but that doesn't stress you out because you know exactly what you want. Half-baked. Why worry about any other option when cookie dough chunks and brownie bites taste so good together? But have you ever thought about why you feel that way, the way you do? Don't get us wrong. We love half-baked, too. But how is that we've become conditioned to believe that certain things like brownies and cookie dough or peanut butter and jelly go together perfectly while others don't? Maybe the bigger question is, what are we missing by never challenging our deepest assumptions? There's a term for that. Researchers have been thinking about this stuff for a while. They term The term they've come up with describes how we seem to be programmed to unconsciously assume certain things about the world around us in implicit bias. Our heads swim with thoughts and feelings all day long. If these thoughts and feelings are implicit, then we're not aware we're thinking or feeling them, and yet they influence our behavior sometimes in surprising ways. All of us have biases too. A bias is a kind of unreasoned or reflexive judgment, the kind of judgments we don't plan out or consciously create. We see a piece of metal painted bright orange and we think hot, even though it may not be, just because that's something we've become conditioned to expect. Blame it on cultural stereotypes. Let's say you're a person who's strongly opposed to ageism. You believe that no one should ever be discriminated against because of how old they are. And yet, you catch yourself feeling disappointed when your new doctor looks to be elderly. Will she really be up to all the latest medical advances? Or maybe when you saw the word doctor in the last paragraph, you imagine a man. Cultural cre- culture creates stereotypes about the elderly, about women, about peanut butter and jelly. And we're all susceptible to them. Our implicit bias aren't evidence of something inherently wrong with us. You pictured a male doctor earlier. That doesn't mean you're a sexist. But the culture that set the bias emotionally certainly is. Systemic racism. Not going to read it. Paragraph goes on and on. How to make change happen. 
A good first step would be take this implicit bias test. The results might surprise you. You might also consider signing up for a bias cleanse, a seven-day course of emails and tasks meaning meant to challenge your personal biases. Ask yourself tough questions about your beliefs. Talk to your friends and family about implicit bias and be really honest with each other about the difference difference between what you believe and how you act. Get to know people who aren't members of your in-group. Have conversations. Try new things. We all need to challenge ourselves in ways large and small. Some of you are smart enough and you figured out when I said scoop shop. That is Ben and Jerry's. That is Ben and Jerry's. That is from their fucking website. And I was just astounded that a corporation would be that fucking in. I mean, I expect Apple, Google, not an ice cream maker. I knew they were liberals, but I never thought they'd go all in like this. Nevada. Or Neva is her handle. I thought you just sold ice cream. Mark Hemingway. You can only sell so much ice cream, but the appetite for pseudoscience knows no bounds. Charles Hawkinson. Stick to selling ice cream and drop the pseudoscience. What's next? Horoscopes on every carton. Huxley Ghost. What is implicit bias? A terrible name for a new ice cream flavor? That's for sure. And a million, you make ice cream. But to show you... Social justice warriors know no end. Here's another true story. Kellogg's to replace racially insensitive corn pop box following Twitter callout. Now, for those that don't have kids, corn pops have a bunch of cartoons on them. They're a bunch of fucking pops. The actual cereal. But the policemen, their barbers, whatever the cartoon is. Kellogg's will be redesigning Corn Pop cereal boxes after complaint about racially insensitive art on the packaging. The Battle Creek, Michigan-based cereal and snack maker said on Twitter Wednesday it will replace the cover drawing of a cartoon character shaped like corn kernels populating a shopping mall. The Corn Pop characters are shown frolicking, shopping, and playing in an arcade or in a fountain. One skateboarder, one skateboards down an escalator. What struck Saladin Ahmed was that a single brown corn pop was working as a janitor operating a floor waxer. Ahmed, current writer of Marvel Comics' Black Bolt series and author of a 2012 fantasy novel, Throne of the Crescent Moon, took to Twitter and asked, why is literally the only brown corn pop on the whole cereal box the janitor? This is teaching kids... Racism. Really? That's what he said. He added, yes, it's a tiny thing, but when you see your kids staring at this over breakfast and realize millions of other kids are doing the same, I'm speechless. How fucking crazy are you that you would even notice that? Kellogg's did the liberal thing a huge I am so sorry, and they're pulling the cereal cereal out of freaking stores and reboxing it. Yeah, that's a real thing. That is a real thing. I'm sure nobody purposely did it. 
It just happened. And really, when you look at it, he's slightly darker than the light brown tops. I mean, what the fuck? What the fuck? Do our lighter fare. Okay, found this article, and I, you know, I, I just had to put it in the lighter fare section because it's just fantastic. Rosie O'Donnell breaks her silence on Donald Trump. Breaks her silence on Donald Trump. Let that sit for a second. Let it marinate. Who would ever, if we don't have fake news, who would, what the fuck? Anybody's ever gone to Twitter? You don't have a fucking choice. Twitter pushes these people on you. You're going to see Rosie O'Donnell whether you want to or not. I seriously worry whether I will be able to live through his presidency. Let that sit for a second. No. (laughs) Who said that girl can't act? Someone who's always been outspoken, especially so about her politics, it's been an unexpected quiet year for Rosie O'Donnell. Really. Donald Trump has publicly feuded with and bullied O'Donnell since 2006, when she called him a snake oil salesman during a segment on The View, on which she had a brief run as a co-host. For years, Trump called O'Donnell a loser and other epitaphs, bringing up O'Donnell's appearance as fodder in the primary debates during the 2016 presidential campaign. He didn't bring her up. Everybody else brought her up. What the fuck are you saying? Are you even going to try to be real in this article? He was asked about her. He didn't bring her up. For her part, O'Donnell has publicly criticized Trump and his politics for over a decade, responding in protest on Twitter and at the White House earlier this year. In her first dramatic television series role, Rosie O'Donnell is taking on the topic of motherhood and mental illness, portraying Tutu, a working class, blah, 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 don't fucking care, gonna move it on to the important shit. Um, how did the election result affect your process? That day. The reason I thought we were not picked up was because I was really bad in the pilot because I was in shock. I was in pure, unadulterated shock as if it had fallen through ice on a lake. I was underneath the water and I couldn't even see the surface. It was a severe shock to my entire essence and my belief in the order in the world and also the PTSD of having been an abused kid in the family and to think that the man who's abused me so viciously and with impunity for over a decade was now running the country. I remember when I first met presidents, for lack of a better word. I met Carter, first at a ski event, his lovely wife. Then I met Ted Kennedy. I remember th- he wasn't a president. You know that, right, Rosie? Okay, never mind. And I remember thinking of my mother who valued John Kennedy. John Kennedy was number one. Jesus Christ was two. You know, when I was sitting there with Ted Kennedy, there was this moment that I can't believe that a girl from Long Island, from an abusive family with no mother and a lot of money, and not a lot of money, could be in the company of these people. Ted Kennedy was a lush and he killed a woman, but, you know, it's once again, we only see what we want to see. Perception is reality. Her perception is Democrat. It was very trippy to think the man who is now in the job is the one who so brutally was so brutal to me for speaking the truth about him. So I was in no shape to do that. And when I did see the pilot, I called frankly to apologize and said, I'm sorry I was so bad. You weren't bad in this. I was like, no, no, I was. So when we did get picked up, I asked if I could reshoot the scene and they allowed me. I think there was a huge thank you to them because I had a year of living with the reality of him. I did a lot of therapy. I wasn't in shock anymore. As much as I am devastated, disappointed, disheartened, and depressed by the reality of it, they love the D's. She didn't say deplorable, though. I was... 
I wasn't in pure panic mode like I was the day and that week. Are there any political undertones that come up as themes for the rest of the season? The personal is political for Tutu, so it's not necessarily about politics. Blah, blah, blah. You made so many public comments on Trump, it's crazy that you had a film on the day after the election. Literally, I got out of my fitting in Boston, and as a joke, I said to everyone, listen, I'll see you tomorrow on the set unless the unimaginable happen, in which case, I'll be in the Charles River. I was making jokes, and I said to my therapist before I went, I got offered this role, but it shoots during the election day in Boston, and I'm just going to be me and my baby and the nanny. Do you think that I should go? My therapist said a whole thing on how I can't have these negatives, intrusive thoughts, and that I have to believe in the goodness of the world and that the worst is not always going to happen, and of course, he will not be elected. Every civilized, the same person in the nation has said he will not be elected. Don't borrow trouble. Then I was there, and it happened. And I felt completely unprepared. I remember that night before they were announcing who had won, I saw the Trump children with their children on TV, and they were on Instagram or something. They were taking a video going, Grandpa's going to be the president. I literally felt such sorrow inside of me that these people were so deluded. What were they doing with this child to tell the baby their grandfather's going to be president? He's not going to be president. Are you out of your minds? Cut to the right. I was completely unprepared the unimaginable truly did happen but these are actual questions from a news source it happened to me in a personal manner because unbeknownst to me for reasons i can't figure out he was allowed with impunity to brutally assault me and my character for a decade no one not the national organization for women not gloria steinem no one stood up and said what the hell are you doing it was laughed about Oh, Rosie O'Donnell and Megyn Kelly, ha, 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 let him in, would bring him out. Watch him do the Destroy Rosie charade in the same way that he's been trying to destroy the character of everybody from Frederica Wilson to the wife of the Marine that was killed in Niger. All these things. He's debasing the character James Comey. Oh, really? And you didn't, Rosie. I can go to your Twitter feed. You did. There's no one that he won't attack or debase. When it was only me in the arena, it was a very lonely, isolated, depressing place to be. Oh, you started it. Well, I actually told the truth about him on the show where my job was to talk about pop culture. <laughs> they put laughs in here. What I said, he's threatened to sue me, and you can't sue someone if they tell the truth, right? And then she goes on and mashes and everything. I wonder if your role as a comedian has something something to do with so many people not taking you seriously a decade ago. And now with your role on this show, which is not necessarily comedic, though, there are moments of levity. How do you balance your role as a comedian with being a truth teller and a dramatic actress as well? <laughs> A dramatic actor. I'm still laughing. Uh, I'll just read the ending. I can't articulate the level of pain. It's taken a year for me to get my equilibrium back, to come back up to the surface, to really go, okay, every Monday is the hope that this is the last week, and every Friday is a devastation. There are people who tell me, oh, it's going to be another year, another two years, and I seriously worry whether I personally will be able to live through his presidency and whether the nation will be able to live through it and survive. It's a terrifying concept on the brink of nuclear war with a madman in charge and the ineptitude, the impotence of people. Why should be able to stop him claiming they can't? It's absolutely infuriating. 
So, you ask, why do I put that in the lighter fare instead of the hate tweets? Well, I think that's pretty funny. Anybody who followed this show knows prior to the election, I was voting for Trump because I hated Hillary. But I also knew the system would stop him from doing stupid shit, and I even said he'll probably get impeached. Go back and listen to it. That's why I went with him. The system has worked. He's only rolled back things that Obama put in because Obama didn't follow the Constitution nor use the legislative branch. He chose to do whatever the fuck he wants because he was a constitutional scholar. But more, I think it's hilarious that people get this wrapped up in politics. Say I'm a hypocrite because I do a political podcast. But when I shut off the mic, I go back to life. In 2008, in 2012, in 1992, in 96, I didn't want those people to be president. I didn't vote for them. I thought Obama was going to rewrite America. He did, by the way. I thought Obama was going to really take us out of the wars and decimate the army. He did do all those things. And I truly felt Obama was going to reignite the fucking division in America with his racial overtones. He did. But I didn't end my life. I didn't think we were going to die. I didn't think that we're going to be overtaken by terrorists. I didn't think any of those things. Because I have faith in the country. We have checks and balances. The problem with these people is they don't believe in this country as it is. They believe in a country they want to make it to be. They want groupthink. They want open borders. They want no control other than the things they don't like. No religion, no guns, no thought. And this year alone, you have heard them numerous times want to rewrite the Constitution, take away the Electoral College, take away the right to bear arms, take away the right to free speech, because everything's hate speech now. You don't agree with me, it's hate speech. Take away police forces, take away weapons from police forces. These people hate America. So I put it in here because I think it's funny that they go out and show exactly what conservatives think of them. Everything about you reeks you hate America, yet you get so fired up when America doesn't think like you and vote the way you want them to. I think that's hilarious. Because the middle of the country, we get fired up for a while, we vote, We go back to life. We go back to fucking paying bills. Taking care of our kids. Fixing the broken washing machine. But you rail, Rosie O'Donnell, about elites. You are an elite. You got a fucking nanny. Yet you're supposed to tell me what to think. You're surrounded by security guards. But you, you tell me I'm not supposed to have a gun. Really. You're a fucking moron. And everybody like her, and the dipshits that go out to the gay shooting club, and the moron we read last time about how he's so scared, 
you prove with your actions, deeds, and statements. You're a sick motherfucker. If I were to run for president today, I would say you're the deplorable. You can't live with other people. You can't embrace other cultures. Because whether you want to believe it or not, and I know you don't like me saying this, and I'm not saying it because I'm a white supremacist, the middle of the country, black, white, pink, doesn't matter, is a different culture than you. We look at this country in a different way. And yes, Moonbats, on November 8th last year, blacks, Hispanics, Chinese, Vietnamese, a whole bunch of people voted for Donald Trump. They weren't just white people. It wasn't a whitewash. And if you think I'm making it up, all you have to do is look at the voter turnout of black people for Hillary Rodham Clinton. Not voting is also voting for Trump. So there it is. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments by emailing F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Foppodcast at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Foppodcast.com. It's a theme. To see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and to email us. There you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blogs on the blog page. Not going to give you a date for the next podcast sometime next week, probably after Halloween. Got a lot of stuff going on. That's why I wanted to get one out now. Plus, there was so much good stuff coming. So we'll try to get one out at the beginning of next week and one at the end of the week. For the rest of this week, which is one day, and the weekend, enjoy yourself. Be safe out there. Do, as I always say, disconnect. Spend time with your family and friends and give them your undivided attention. Have a fantastic Halloween. Enjoy the little ones if you get to take them out. If not, do like I do. Enjoy them when they come to your front door in their cute costumes and you throw some sugar at them. It's a fun time. It's a neat holiday. And I will tell you, we're doing it up this weekend. We will do phase three and four of the cemetery in the front yard where we have kids bringing their kids now to get candy at our house. As always, my friends, you take care and thanks for listening.